It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't already subscribed, it's very simple to do so. Just go to thepetecalendarshow.com, click on the uh, the big blue subscribe button, and it'll bring you up a menu of all of the various podcasting apps, and you pick your favorite. And then it comes the show comes directly to your smartphone or tablet every single day. Uh, if you would like to get exclusive content, and support the show directly, you can become a patron. Just go to the top of the page there. There's a a link that says exclusive content for patrons. You click on that bad boy, and it takes you to the Patreon account. And uh, then you become a patron, like Meredith and Dennis, Rebecca and Taylor, Keith, Yuri, LL, David, Patty, Trudy and Ron, and Jean and Ben, which, by the way, happy birthday, Jean. Uh, They all became patrons of the program, and uh, you can as well. And then you can hang out with us on our Thursday night live streams. So um, will media push back on this Democratic narrative that voter uh, reforms, election integrity reforms are automatically, by default, quote, suppression? I don't think so. But if there is going to be a a case where this might actually occur, it might be in North Carolina with Senate Bill 326, the Election Integrity Act. Again, I don't think this is going to happen, but this is probably the best case for media to give some modicum of pushback on this narrative that in uh, election integrity reforms, trying to shore up the vote, trying to make sure, you know, election fraud doesn't occur, trying to give people confidence that fraud is being rooted out, uh, that if you want to uh, push back on this narrative that always comes from the left, that any of these types of efforts at reform are always, you know, racist and suppressive, then this would be the bill to do it. So I've got a lot of audio clips because this came through a committee in the Senate uh, this week in the General Assembly. It's going to go to the floor for a full vote at some point. uh, But it just it went through a committee process. And then there was also a press conference about it. Uh, And of course, on the heels of the Georgia election reforms that they just signed into law. uh, And there are all these other bills going on in, you know, a lot of Republican states around the country. Uh, There is this you know, cry that Republicans are trying to change all the rules to keep Democrats from voting because of the results of the last election, which I would point out doesn't actually make the case because Republicans did very well (laughs) in the last election. Um, This is at some point you've got to wonder if you're a reporter covering this story and you have one party that just consistently lies to you, why do you keep believing them? Anyway, I digress. Let me tell you about this. Well, it seems like probably everything right now is getting more and more expensive. Mattress Man is actually giving you more bed for your buck, okay? Maybe your kids have outgrown their twin-size bed. Well, you can get them a queen for the price of a twin. Now, maybe uh, you're on a queen-size bed uh, with your significant other, and maybe all of your pets pile into the bed with you, and then you end up getting forced off the mattress, right, on those cold three-dog nights. Well, you can get a king for the price of a queen, and so then you've got plenty of room for everybody, right? You're welcome. Mattress Man, this is a great deal. 
They got four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden, including their new location on Airport Road in the IHOP Shopping Center there. So go check it out. Uh, get a king for the price of a queen. Get a queen for the price of a twin. Um, you can't buy twins, though, because uh, that's really just genetics if you're going to have a... No, I'm kidding. You <laughs> you could buy twins at Mattress Man. A Mattress Man, it's a free upgrade, basically, right? They're giving you a free upgrade on the size of the mattress. Mattress Man is your exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection made by Restonic right here in North Carolina. These are the beds that are in the hotel and the inn at the Biltmore Estate. Get free local five-star delivery and a 120-day comfort guarantee. They also ship nationwide. And remember, they've got tons of flexible financing options like no interest for two years. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So all right, the details here of this bill, there was a press conference that the uh, the sponsors of the bill held right before their committee meeting on this Election Integrity Act. As Republicans, and this is WFAE's reporting by Steve Harrison, he was a former Charlotte Observer reporter back when I was down there, you know, a million years ago, and uh, he went over to work for the public radio affiliate at WFAE, where I actually worked as well a million and a half years ago. Anyway, as Republicans nationwide have filed bills to restrict voting. okay, so right out of the gate, (laughs) right out of the gate, as Republicans nationwide have filed bills to restrict voting. Okay, What do you mean by restrict voting? Because unless you believe that every single election law restricts voting, which Like, you can make that argument that every single law, in some fashion, restricts voting. I mean, think about it. The fact that there is election day. Well, here, how about this? The fact that there is a ballot, right? The fact that a ballot exists and it only has certain names on it, and you have to fill out that one ballot and give it to somebody to count, those are all restrictions. That limits voting. That restricts voting, right? Because I am limited to only getting to vote for the two people listed on this ballot or five or whatever. Like, I'm only allowed to vote for these offices. How come I can't vote in this other state? How come I can't vote for another country's candidates? How come I can't make up a whole bunch of candidates, right? There are always restrictions on voting as soon as you start putting laws in place. When you say this is election day and we're going to run the polls on election day, you are now creating restrictions on voting to that day. When you say we're going to have precincts and they're going to be located at this location, you've now restricted voting to that location. When you say these are the hours, we are now going to restrict the hours, you see? But the way they use this language, oh, voting restrictions, the restrict voting, all laws do that. Now, do they make that clear? Do they Are they using it in that sense? No, they're using it to convey a sentiment that Republicans don't want you people to vote. And then you can just fill in the blank of whoever, whoever you people needs to be for any given you know, demographic you're trying to rally to vote for you. The North Carolina Republicans filed the Election Integrity Act last week in its first election-related bill. Democratic State Senator Jay Shaduri said that the bill is the state GOP's next phase in disenfranchisement. Listen to the language again that they use. Disenfranchisement. After a decade of brutal fights over photo ID and gerrymandering. Brutal fights? Lawsuits. Democrats have been suing every single year since Republicans took power for the first time since Reconstruction. 
Sue Till Blue. This is their strategy. But then it gets framed as like, oh, it's just a brutal fight. You know, it's just a brutal fight. Is it or is it Democrats who still can't come to grips with the fact that they got voted out of power? He told the Raleigh News and Observer that the legislature, quote, should look to make access to the ballot easier and not harder. Instead, our Republican friends have doubled down on putting up barriers that take away the voices based on what we look like and where we live. So he's calling Republicans racist for this bill. What does the bill do? Does it say no longer, you know, people who are of a certain race or ethnicity can't vote? Is that what they're saying? This bill, I mean, it seems like that would be pretty bad, don't you think? What does the bill do? Number one, it bars third-party donations to the Board of Elections. Number two, it requires absentee ballots to be received by the close of business on Election Day. Number three, it changes the deadline for requesting absentee ballots from one week prior to Election Day to two weeks prior to Election Day. So in other words, you can't ask for an absentee ballot if it's now you know, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, days before the election day, okay? So you there's a two-week window where you can't ask for an absentee ballot any longer. Why two weeks? Well, because right now the one-week window, sometimes you can actually request that ballot, get it, and then you, there's no time to return it by mail. It's too short. So they're moving it a week ahead to ensure that if you ask for an absentee ballot, that the post office has a pretty good chance of delivering it by election day itself. And number four, to fund a mobile ID unit. The monsters, those monsters, those GOP heathens, right? I mean, the racists, they want to send out a mobile van to people's homes to get them free photo ID ahead of the elections? Well, I never. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is what State Senator Jay Chadhuri from I think he's out of Raleigh. Um, this is what he says is putting up barriers that take away the voices based on what we look like and where we live. That's what he's this. These are the changes that he's calling Republicans racists over in North Carolina's bill. The biggest proposed change is that absentee ballots would need to be received by the county elections boards by 5 p.m. on Election Day. Yeah, this is outrageous. How dare you require the ballots be received by Election Day. Election Day. Now... What's interesting here is that Steve Harrison goes on to... So this is all the beginning. What I just gave you was the the, the beginning of the article, which, as I frequently point out, the inverted pyramid in journalism, you pack all of the most important information you want to convey in the beginning of the article because or news story because most people stop reading it. Most people don't... The longer an article is, the less likely they are to read it. And that's why, by the way, you know, like newspapers write at like a fifth grade level, something like that, um, because they know that you try to uh, appeal to the most amount of people. So you put all of the most important information at the top of the article, and then people read a little bit of it, and then they leave. So that's what Steve Harrison at WFAE thought was the most important pieces of information, the quote from Jay Chaduri about how Republicans are racist. But when you go down further into the story, 
you see that he's quoting Jerry Cohen, who is a leftist, by the way, longtime attorney for the General Assembly. He's like looked at as like the god of the General Assembly. Oh, he worked as a lawyer, a staff lawyer. And oh, he's so fantastic. He knows everything. And um, and he is he's a smart guy, but like he's a lefty. OK, has been ran for, I think, Chapel Hill City Council like. 40 years ago or something and may have actually been like literally a like a, a, a member of the Communist Party or something like that. I forget now. But he was like he was pro-communist. OK, <laughs> and so uh, and oh, OK, fine. He came out of Chapel Hill. So like, honestly, what could be expected? I mean, it's Chapel Hill anyway. Um, he's <laughs> but no, he is an expert on this stuff. And so Steve Harrison goes to Jerry Cohen, asks him about this. And Cohen speaks about the history of absentee mail voting deadlines in the state. He said that until 1973, mail ballots had to be received on the Saturday before the election. The So elections are always on a Tuesday, right? Election day is a Tuesday. And so the Saturday prior to the election day was when the absentee ballots had to arrive, which makes sense because you had to, you know, take the time to count them all and whatnot. Then from 1973... So, oh, by the way, you can discount all of that history, that all of those decades of the absentee ballots coming in because 1973, so everything before then, all racism. Okay, right? So that's all racisty. So we can kind of dismiss that. So then from 1973 through 2009, the ballots had to be received the day before the election, that Monday before the election day, the Tuesday. Okay? So from 70, so for 36 years, you had to have the ballot in the Board of Elections' hands by the day before election day, 36 years through 2009. And then in 2009, the law was changed to allow ballots mailed by election day to be counted so long as they arrived three days after election day. Now, what what is remarkable about the year 2009? Anybody, does the year 2009 ring a bell for anybody? No, right. It wasn't a presidential year. No, no. 2009, the law gets changed before the 2010 midterm elections. 2010 also happened to be a census year. Right. And so Republicans won control of the General Assembly for the first time in over a century. Do you think maybe that the Democrats who changed the law after 36 years before the 2010 election... Do you think they may have had a reason for doing so? Oh, I know. It's just to make sure everybody votes. Okay, that could be a reason. What might another reason be? Do you think there might be another reason why Democrats chose to change this deadline to give until Election Day and allow the ballots to be counted three days after Election Day to allow for the postmark by Election Day and then keep counting the ballots three days afterwards? And that's been the law for the last, what, 11 years now. But we're supposed to believe that any movement off of this law that Democrats put in uh, in effect a decade ago, that we're supposed to believe any change from that is somehow rooted in racism rather than actually a return to the more historical and uh, national norm that you you have to have the ballots in by Election Day. They got to be there. They have to be there to be counted by Election Day. The GOP bill that that is, by the way, not explored. There's no there's no curiosity as to, huh, why did they change it in 09? Not mentioned. 
The GOP bill comes after Democrats dominated mail voting in the November 2020 election. Joe Biden had nearly 700,000 absentee mail votes in the state, compared with nearly 278,000 for Donald Trump. But it would play. See, so he's he's intimating there that the reason why this is being done is because the Republicans are trying to stop Democrats from voting by mail, which is odd and ironic because historically Republicans are the ones who vote by mail more often. Yeah. And uh, because they tend to be older, they're retirees, um, uh, overseas uh, military ballots, for example, you've got all sorts of reasons why Republicans have generally in the past been more represented uh, in the absentee mail. Democrats generally were the early voters, but because of the pandemic and Democrats so terrified themselves over catching COVID at the polling places, there was this massive surge among Democrats for the mail-in voting. This, of course, raises suspicions among their political opponents on the right that think, huh, do you think there might be some, you know, I don't know, loopholes there that could be taken advantage of? There may be some pathways where fraud might exist when you have this kind of massive increase. And then you get boards of elections that are changing the rules like ours did in the middle of the election. You're changing these rules to accommodate all these people because of the pandemic, of course. But there's also like our system was not built for this kind of um, for this kind of operation, but also to have the rules changed while you're voting, which occurred. And generally speaking, historically speaking, judges never like when that happens. Okay, judges don't really prefer when that happens. Now, if you prefer not to pay two mortgages at the same time because you're trying to buy a new home while selling your home, then call Rowena Patton. Her phone number is 333-4483. Her website is mountainhomehunt.com, and she'll get your house sold quickly and for more money, which means uh, chances are you're not going to get stuck paying two mortgages. Very helpful. You're welcome. I'm a giver. What can I say? Rowena Patton. She's the official Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville as well. Uh, this is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. This goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, and retirees. And uh, she's given back about $800,000 so far to folks in those professions. So give her a call or go to the website, mountainhomehunt.com. Tell her I sent you, 333-4483. Call Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Call her today and then start packing. All right, so let me get to some of the audio here. So first, there was a press conference. The sponsors of the bill, the primary sponsor is Paul Newton, Senator Newton. And uh, he says, look, there is a tension here, and there always will be, between you know free, fair, and secure, which makes sense, right? Free elections, fair elections, secure elections, right? Because a totally free system would have virtually no rules. But that would also mean there would be very little security, right? So he says there has been an erosion, however, of trust in our system, particularly after the last year. A recent Civitas lock, uh, poll confirmed that 40% of North Carolinians do not trust the outcome of the 2020 election. Election integrity polled for North Carolinians is the second highest concern behind only the economy. I believe that's a call to action. Do you think that's a problem? I'd love to ask Democrats this question. Do you think that's a problem? If 40% of North Carolinians don't trust the outcome of the last election, is that a problem for the system and the society, for the state? What do you think? Nobody asks these questions. Nobody asks these these sort of 
uh, you know, uh, below the surface, deeper philosophical types of questions for some reason. I don't know why. Look, I'm not a particularly bright guy. I, I recognize I'm no smarter than most people. Uh, but like, I can understand what's at issue here. I understand what the, the core questions should be. Why won't they get asked? Like, do you think this is a problem? If people don't have faith that what they just saw was legitimate, is that a problem? If so, why? If not, why not? Basic questions like that. Newton said there has been, quote, quite the disinformation campaign launched about his bill, and he urged the reporters at this press conference to, quote, listen through the noise so what they truly are uh, about what the bills truly are and are not. He said he will try to be as clear as he can be about what the bills do and what the bill does not. You know, our entire system of government is based on fair elections is how we select the people who will govern us. Obviously, fraud in an election like what occurred occurred in 2018 uh, in the congressional race undermines that confidence. But distrust and suspicion in the electoral process also undermine confidence, and that can be just as damaging. Our goal with this legislation is to work to restore that trust. In crafting the legislation, we had to answer the question, what does it take to restore confidence? Mm -hmm. How do we instill confidence in others? And some say we should do away with early voting. Election day is election day. Some say we should do away with no excuses, absentee ballots. I do not believe that we need to go that far to restore confidence in North Carolina's elections. So one of the um, one of the things this is that one of the benefits of being consistent in your application of principles and standards is that it makes situations like this pretty easy because when the vote fraud, the absentee ma- uh, absentee ballot harvesting operation was uncovered down in the North Carolina 9th Congressional District, right, Bladen County and McCray Dallas and all of that, um, I and they say like, we need to have this investigation and all that. I was fully on board. Like, let's absolutely. And they're like, but it's a Republican fraud. Like, I don't care if there's an R or a D next to the person's name who's committing the fraud. I don't care. I don't want there to be fraud. And so when evidence emerged that this might have occurred, I said, pursue it. Absolutely do it. Why? Because if you allow this, these results to stand, it undermines confidence in the system, not among really Republicans. A lot of them maybe not don't even care. Like, hey, you know what? We won. Who cares? But among Democrats, it absolutely would undermine confidence. And here's the other thing. It might prompt others to do the same thing. That's what enforcement of law is intended to do. Yes, it punishes the person who broke the law, but it is also meant as a deterrent that, oh, my gosh, that guy got caught and look what happened to him. It makes you it makes you reconsider the risk assessment. Is the juice worth the squeeze? I got into a lengthy argument on Twitter yesterday with a lawyer who, uh, uh, yeah, she was a piece of work, leftist lawyer, you know, further confirming all of my opinions about left wing lawyers. Um, But then after she blocked me because I asked her, just run through this, run through these four questions. And the, the questions I had were very simple. You know, is is committing vote fraud easy? Is it easy? Uh, Are you likely to get caught? What happens if you get caught? And what's the benefit if you don't get caught? They're very simple four questions. And when you run through, and she refused to do it, by the way, she would not do it. She then did, she ran through the example for like drugs, but she wouldn't do it for voting. And, and which was instructive. And by the way, after she blocked me, it turns out, uh, 
uh, one of our uh, fans of the show, Monica, one of our friends, she sends over a, a screenshot. Apparently, this lawyer works for the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services doing the Certificate of Need program. <laughs> which is the hospital mother may I permission slip system that North Carolina has. Like, of course she would be a lawyer for that program. Anyway, um, she would not run through these questions, but these are vital questions. Is it easy to do? Is it easy to commit vote fraud? It actually is. It's very easy to commit vote fraud if you know what you're doing. And most people don't. See, this is the thing. Most people don't understand the, uh, the breach points in the system But I assure you, people who work in politics, they do. McRae Dallas understood the breach points. And this is why I'm kind of curious. He still hasn't gone to trial. And I'm wondering if he ever will. Because he may have known the breach point so well that he actually didn't violate any law. And if he did, they can't prove it. How much time and effort are they willing to devote to prosecuting him? And this is just one guy. One guy who is responsible for hundreds of ballots in a single election, right? And if and if they're not willing to devote the kind of manpower for that, how, how much manpower do you think prosecutors are willing to devote to somebody who is good for, you know, a dozen here or there? Seriously, like these are these are the questions that when you start examining them from just a practical standpoint, you know, is it easy to do? What's the chance of getting caught? Very low. Again, if you know the breach points, and no, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but yes, I do know what they are. Um, and I've talked about some of them in the past. I'm not going to outline them for you step by step uh, because I don't want to be accused of trying to entice people to commit fraud, which is exactly what the left accused Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest of doing when he outlined how easy it is to commit fraud. They were like, look at him. He's giving a how-to on how to do it. Yeah, because it's easy. So what, you think the only people who should know how easy it is are the people who can commit it? It's it's just nuts. Like, you know, like going someplace besides old Grouch's military surplus for your real U.S. military surplus. Why would you do that? It's nuts. Okay? Go to old Grouch's. He's on Main Street in downtown Clyde, uh, where the shop has been for 30 years. His dad was the original old Grouch. So you may say the OG. OG. And Tim is the, uh, he's the, the new G. OG. Anyway, he's the new grouch, old grouch. <laughs> he's the younger old grouch. And uh, he's got, but he's got tons of real U.S. military surplus. He gets new stuff in all the time. He's got tons of gear. So if you're the outdoorsy type, you need to stop by a shop. If you're one of the uh, the new gun owners, you know, record number of people now purchasing firearms for some reason in America. Don't know why. Um, you got to get some accessories for it. Head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus uh, on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. And of course, tell him that I sent you. Uh, all right. So this is uh, State Senator Paul Newton. And uh, he said Senate Bill 326, his bill, relates to specific concerns that we saw in the electoral process. And there are four main points. Ban private third party donations to the Board of Elections. Require absentee ballots to be in by the close of business on Election Day. Change the deadline for requesting absentee ballots to make it almost impossible for postal to postal delay to cause a ballot to be received late, and finally, fund a mobile voter ID unit so that all eligible voters can have a free ID. Okay, so the four areas, right? First up, ban private third-party donations to boards of election. Why is this important? Well, uh, you'll recall 
I covered this on the show a few days ago in the interview that I did with Hayden Ludwig. It was the March 18th episode. It was called uh, Tracing the Millions that Facebook founder pumped into the the Facebook founder pumped into the 2020 North Carolina election. So March 18th, if you want to go in depth on this particular issue. But here's well, here's Newton. Private interests giving money to the people responsible for administering an election creates at a minimum the perception of a major conflict. For example, Facebook's foundation paid temporary employees at county boards of elections. That raises the question, who is their boss? Is it the county or is it the, uh, the foundation that paid their salary? So counting the votes needs to be free from any perception of conflict especially from third-party donors. Right, the perception of conflict. Because as Hayden Ludwig pointed out, what do you think the left would say, the Democratic Party would say, if any of the Koch-funded, right-wing, conservative, libertarian groups were paying for uh, volunteers, quote-unquote, to run elections? at the local boards of election. Do you think that the left might have a problem if conservative organizations funded positions like that to run the elections? I think they might. I don't know. I, yeah, I do. I kind of think they might have a problem with that. Next up, require absentee ballots uh, to be received by the close of business on election day itself. Now, North Carolina is the first state in the nation to send out absentee ballots, usually 60 days before an election. And unlike many other states, our absentee voting is no excuse required. You can request an absentee ballot for any reason or no reason at all. And we allow voters multiple options for turning in their absentee ballot, either by mailing it back in or by delivering it to county elections office or to an early voting site. None of this would change under this bill. North Carolina would continue to have among the most free absentee voting systems in the country. Everybody knows what election day is. It's when the votes are in, all in, and counting begins. It just makes sense that election day would be the election deadline. Every day that passes without a declared winner just breeds suspicions and conspiracy theories in people's minds, and that's just not healthy. In 2020, a North Carolina winner wasn't declared for president or for U.S. Senate for many, many days, even though those races were not that close. We were one of the last states in the country to, to have declared winners for those races. Ideally, we'd have a winner for every election on election night. Many states do. Sometimes in close races, obviously that's not possible, especially if there's a recount or some other issue, but requiring that at least all the votes be in on election day helps minimize the delay in declaring a winner, and for the most part, helps wrap up the process more quickly. Okay, so question for Democrats. Ideally speaking, ideally, do you want to have a winner on election night? Is that a goal that's worthwhile to have? Is that a goal that Democrats share, to have a winner on election night itself? And if so, why is that preferable then waiting around for three days, a week, 10 days, a month, right? Why is it preferable to have a winner on election night itself, right? Those, I think those are fair questions, right? Because they, it speaks to what is the goal of any election law, right? You, yes, it's to administer free, fair, secure elections, right? That's the whole point. 
But if you've got a perception that this is all rigged, right? Like if Donald Trump was running around the country saying it's all rigged and everybody had confidence, full faith and confidence in the the credibility of the systems, do you think that his message would have resonated at all? Or is it just people believed him because they just, you know, are so in the tank for Trump? Okay, yeah, maybe there are a bunch of those people. But how many people who were kind of like, you know, rational, they're not in the tank for Trump, but they also lack confidence in the system? I do, and I didn't vote for Donald Trump. You know, I I think I have a pretty realistic understanding of the the flaws, the breach points, but also uh, the success, right? The the security, because there is some in, in there is security in the system, sure. But there are also ways that it can be manipulated, that people can take advantage of it. People with the know-how and the manpower and the funding, they can do that. And that undermines my faith in the system. And then I get on a podcast or a radio show and I tell you and, uh, you know, Democrats are probably telling saying that I'm part of the problem for all of this. Um, So the question, I think, is pretty straightforward. Ideally speaking, should we have a winner on election night? I think it's a fair question. As I said earlier, North Carolina is the first state in the nation to send out absentee ballots, usually 60 days before an election. And unlike many other states, it's no excuses. An election has got to have a deadline, period. We have to have a deadline associated with an election. If there were no deadline to cast ballots, then ballots would never be counted. It's self-evident that an election deadline must exist. All right. So given that, when should information about the deadline be communicated to voters? And that, we all agree, should begin as far away from the next election as possible so that voters have a chance to prepare accordingly. True. Well, the next federal election is not for 21 months. Yep. And so we're about as far away as we could possibly get. So we need a deadline. We're very, very far away from anybody bumping up against that deadline. And again, any time during that 60 days, you're certainly welcome to receive your ballot. Uh, so they we're talking about people that wait till the last minute. That's what the deadline is. Um, And uh, we have lots of time to inform and engage people on the fact that a deadline does exist for them to request an absentee ballot. So for the majority of states, that election deadline is election day. And that's what I'm proposing here. President Biden's own home state of Delaware has the ballot receipt deadline on election day. The same is true for Colorado, Hawaii, Maine, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and the list goes on. And that group of states can hardly be be described as deep red. And by the way, more than half, it's like 30, 31 states have this deadline. So do those making voter suppression accusations about this bill also believe that these states are vote suppressors? And I suggest to you the answer is obviously no. Mm -mm. So let's consider another point in fact. The elections director told the Senate last week that Republicans actually benefited more than Democrats from the extreme extension of the ballot receipt deadline in 2020. So ironically, as ironic as it sounds, more Republican ballots were submitted between days three and nine than Democratic ballots. So it would seem that there are two realities for you to choose from. One is that my bill is a partisan grab that's so poorly executed that it accidentally harms Republicans or that I'm telling you the truth about our motives here, which is people do distrust the process that occurred last year 
and making election day the election deadline will help repair at least some of that trust. Right. So which is it? This is some sort of way to disenfranchise their own voters? Is that their, is it, 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 that's what we're supposed to believe here? The third uh, change is uh, change the deadline for requesting absentee ballots to make it impossible for the Postal Service delays to cause a ballot to be recovered late. This stems from the fear that people were allowed to request their absentee ballots so close to Election Day, like under current law, it's a week, um, that you run the real risk of not being able to get the ballots back into the mail and then have that delivered to the postal uh, to the elections board uh, within the time frame. Right. So you can actually request, like, even if you follow the rules, the very last day you can ask for a ballot, they give it to you, you fill it out, you mail it right back in, and you still may not be able to adhere to the law because the Postal Service delivery times are terrible, okay? Um, Senate Bill 326 moves that back by another an extra week. So instead of one week before the election, you can't request a ballot now until, uh, up, you can up until two weeks before the election, right? So it gives that, it gives you a bigger window. This two-week window. And finally, to fund a mobile ID unit to the tune of about, uh, what is this, $5 million. Funding the mobile ID eliminates any excuse that there's some sort of barrier to people receiving an ID. It takes that issue off the table. And the email disinformation campaign about this bill essentially calls this provision racist. And it is the opposite. (laughs) It enables those who cannot otherwise obtain an ID to vote. That argument should be saved for some other state, but it does not apply here. And by the way, the voters of North Carolina amended our Constitution to require photo voter ID. And this provision of this bill will ensure that no one is disenfranchised because of voter photo ID. And by the way, the administration of that mandate will be by the governor's own board of elections. Mm -hmm. So if anybody should be motivated, right, at least the perception would be motivated to make sure every eligible voter has an ID, it would be the governor himself and his board of elections. So uh, I think we've eliminated any, any taint with respect to our desire to get everyone a photo ID so that they can vote. Correct. Yeah. Cooper's own people would be running that operation. Here's $5 million. Here's a van. Here's the equipment. Go get everybody photo ID. Now think about who would oppose such an operation. Who would object to the provision of free photo IDs being done at your door, at your own home? Who would object to the mass distribution of the photo IDs necessary to vote? Why would people on the left object to that if they are, in fact, all about getting everybody to vote. They need the issue. See, because it's not even about getting people to vote. They, they want the issue because the issue allows them to call Republicans racist. And doing so helps keep people who are attuned to that message or sensitive to that message. It helps keep them within the base, right? If Democrats can convince their base that the opponents are all racists, then their base won't go anywhere. But if it turns out that what the Democrats have been pitching all this time is actually a lie, members of their base might not be members of their base. See, Democrats need this issue. That's why they oppose a mobile ID unit. It's ins- I mean, think about it. It's just on its face. It's insane. Why would you oppose get- an operation to get people free photo ID issued by the state? 
people who cannot otherwise, you know, get it. Here's some van that's going to show up at your house, take your picture, get your information, put that all together for you. And now you've got a photo ID that, by the way, you can use not just for voting, right? You can use for other things uh, in life as well. Now, speaking of other things in life, if um, you have been curtailed somewhat in the things that you can do in life because of pain, then please try some uh, Grower's Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract CBD products. Try some. They've got topicals like the balm. Um, where you can apply it uh, to joints, you know, knuckles or knees and hips, that sort of thing, your back, uh, or uh, try their drops, right? The drops, the CBD drops, take some before you go to bed at night, like I do, and you'll sleep deep. I did. I sleep more deeply when I take the drops than when I don't. Some nights I forget. (laughs) And uh, when I forget, I usually know. Um, And so try some full spectrum hemp extract, add it to your daily routine and uh, see what it does for you. A better quality of life, immune system resilience, deeper sleep, lower tension. Go to growershemp.com. Use my name, Pete, when you're checking out and you'll get 20% off growershemp.com. These are North Carolina farmers. Uh, They control the whole process from seed all the way to shelf. And that means you get better quality, great pricing, uh, and you're supporting North Carolina farms. Family Farms, growershemp.com. And as with all CBD products, here's the official disclaimer I got to give to you. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Check out their ad in our state magazine as well and you can find it on the shelves at the broad river hemp company in shelby the medical pharmacy in locust and the durham co-op or go to the website growershemp.com promo code pete for 20 percent off from north carolina farmers to you growers hemp it's about the hemp and not the hype so at this press conference, Senator Paul Newton was asked by a reporter about the absentee by mail uh, deadline, saying Democrats argue that moving this forward, moving that deadline forward by a week to ensure that all votes arrive by Election Day, that that would actually be unfair to those voters. And when you tell people who, that they have to have their ballots in to the Board of Elections by Election Day, aren't you basically putting a deadline on those absentee ballot filers yes. that is not election day so therefore they they actually are having fewer days in which to make up their minds on whether or not to vote okay so i'll answer this question before newton does uh yes they do have fewer days to make up their minds if you don't count the two months prior that they can ask for the absentee by mail ballot and if you require that last two week window now, I'm not sure what I want to do, but I still want to be able to mail my ballot in, um, then I would submit you should go vote early because uh, that's open for the two weeks prior to Election Day. Or maybe you fill out your ballot and then on Election Day itself, you walk it down to the Board of Elections and give it to them. Okay, rather than relying on the Postal Service. But what it sounds like you're saying is that you want the ability to wait until the very last day, literally Election Day itself, to then vote by mail and have everybody else wait for your vote to arrive. That we're all supposed to wait for your ballot to arrive. Meanwhile, we got to go down and vote 
and you know do early voting or mail it in earlier or go in person. Like we have all of these other options available, but you require special dispensation that makes us wait for your votes to be counted. That's what they're saying. I don't find this to be a particularly persuasive or compelling argument. You understand? It, yeah, but it's an advantage to them. We've created the opportunity to vote early. Uh, we've created the opportunity to to vote. We have 17 days of early voting in this state, 18 including Election Day. We uh, have no excuses, absentee ballot voting. They're available some 60 days before the election. We're setting a deadline 21 months before the deadline <laughs> is relevant to the 2022 election. Uh, everybody should be on notice. I mean, why aren't community organizers saying, Mark your calendar, ask for your absentee ballot before this date, any time before this date, uh, and you won't run up against the deadline. We've got to have deadlines. And, you know, the, I think the dynamic that's created by Senator Blue's question sort of ignores the fact that we have some of the most liberal early voting and absentee ballot voting laws in the nation. So follow up, do you, would you consider, let's say, like you said, uh, the 60 days before the election is when they start releasing ballots. Would there be any consideration as a compromise to, you know, move that back even further, maybe by another week to satisfy the concerns, to give them more time? I, let me just say broadly, I'd be happy to talk to Senator Blue, uh, the Democratic Party leaders on this issue, anytime they have questions or requests. And if they're common sense requests, uh, you know, I'm happy to entertain those. They haven't approached me yet. We're happy to have those discussions. And we've had bipartisan election bills in, in the past. In fact, we're operating under the 2019 bipartisan election bill. And we should be able to have another bipartisan. This, this should become a bipartisan bill. I mean, the substance of this is not offensive. It doesn't disenfranchise. It doesn't suppress. It just takes what we actually observed in North Carolina that created mistrust, distrust, and uncertainty about our process and we're taking those vulnerabilities that we actually saw, not hypothetical, and we're just going to shore up those leaks in the system. That's all this bill does. Right. But more importantly, uh, the Democrats would then be robbed of this talking point that you're racists and trying to suppress the vote. So good luck trying to get bipartisan buy in on this. I would point out 31 states require the absentee mail ballots to arrive by Election Day. 31 states. WFAE's story on this that I mentioned earlier quoting Jerry Cohen. The bill would also move the absentee ballot request deadline from one week before Election Day to two weeks before Election Day, right? That's what this reporter asked about. And here's what Cohen says, quote, that may be more significant. He said the current one-week deadline is arguably unfair to voters. The current deadline is unfair. He says if somebody requests a mail ballot a week before the election, they may not receive it in time for the voter to then fill it out and return it. If somebody waited for a week before the election to request a mail ballot, the likelihood of getting it back was unrealistic. Unless, right, what? You drop it off. You walk it on down, drop it off. So why would you want a week rather than two before the election? What purpose could that possibly serve? What benefit is there to being able to ask for an absentee ballot up until one week prior to the election, but being able to give it back to the Board of Elections up until Election Day itself. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the breach points. There are certain ways that campaigns can figure out, it's all public information, who has voted, 
who has requested absentee ballots, especially when they go out ahead of time and help you make those requests, they know who's asking for them. They know who's got them. They know who went to vote early. They know what your voting uh, history is. So if you are more likely to vote absentee, for example, uh, let's say you never vote in person ever. And this year, for some reason, you did not request an absentee ballot. Well, they're going to be able to then know that information and do something with it. This is a breach point. Okay, so that is that is an un the system the way it's designed right now that one week before election deadline that that one week window that's actually Cohen says unfair currently to voters. Now it may be unfair for you to have to do battle with all of the encroaching vegetation around your property without the proper tools. But I have the solution for you because again I am all about solutions. It is general equipment rental. In Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They're family owned and operated for three generations. They are specialists in Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment. Okay. They're your official sales and service provider for these brands. They know everything there is to know about this equipment. So if you are looking to get some power equipment for the spring cleaning and such, go to General Equipment Rental. Now, maybe you just need a piece of equipment for a particular project. You just need to do some, you know, some work around the yard. And then after that, you're not ever going to need that tool again. Let's say uh, you need to put in a fence. Go get yourself an auger, you know, and just drill a hole in the ground so you're not sitting there with one of those post hole diggers that's taking you 17 hours to do one hole. Like, don't even bother. Just get you one of those like the gas power uh, augers, and you just drill a hole in the ground, drop the post in, and you're done. You can get a whole fence knocked out in an afternoon. Having the right tool makes a ton of difference. General equipment rental is where you go, whether you're residential or you're commercial contractor, whatever the need is, whatever the project is, they've got the tool and the expertise to help you. General equipment rental. Generalrents.com is their website. Go check it out for all their inventory. Generalrents.com. In Weaverville, General Equipment Rental, and think outside your toolbox. So the bill then went to a committee for debate where Democrats like Senator Natasha Marcus from Mecklenburg said that uh, they want the proposed law to explicitly state when voters need to mail in their absentee ballots. Body. The bill does not provide a deadline for when a voter has to put their ballot in the mail. The bill addresses when they have to request it, but not when they put it in the mail. And if I could get, ask a question to, to uh, Ms. Churchill, it's my understanding that our current law is very clear about what that deadline is, which is you have to put it in the mail by election day, or we don't, and if it's not postmarked by then and it gets in later, we don't count it. We didn't in 2020, and we, and we shouldn't going forward. Now, that is true. Right now, it's the postmark date. And Churchill, by the way, is a General Assembly staffer. Um, but she's saying that we need a specific date that it has to be postmarked by. Well, but it's going to be different based on where you are. I mean, in Asheville, it takes like 17 days to mail a letter across town because everything gets routed down into Greenville, South Carolina. But in Charlotte, you can get something across the street in probably, I don't know, a week. I kid the post office. Senator Marcus then raises another concern about how absentee mail ballots uh, would be treated unfairly if they have to mail their ballots in earlier than Election Day. One of my other concerns about requiring that voters have their mail-in ballot in the mail, quote, early enough that it gets there by Election Day is, aren't we... Um, Mr. Bill Sponsor, forcing absentee voters then to to vote 
several days before the election when we know that sometimes there's late breaking news. Some people want to wait until <laughs> Election Day to vote. Um, we have seen before in our state specifically, without naming names, that things happen late in campaigns Cal Cunningham. Um, that change voters' minds. Cal Cunningham. And my concern here is for the people who need an absentee ballot, for whatever reason they need to vote that way, we're forcing them all to have to vote early enough, maybe a week early, maybe more. Um, and does it not concern you that those people won't be able to have all the information that, that in-person voters can have by voting on Election Day. Okay, so what Senator Marcus has actually uh, formed there is an argument against all early voting. Because if this is the argument against mailing in your ballot a week before the election to make sure that it gets to the Board of Elections by Election Day, right? So if you're going to ask for an absentee ballot and then you're going to fill it out and mail it in, then you should send it in as early as possible so it gets to the board of elections to be counted and it has to get there by election day as is the law in 31 other states okay what she's arguing there is to not vote early ever which north carolina has a 17 day early voting period so her argument applies just as equally to the person who waits in a line at the local library you know it's some early voting site they went and voted early so they didn't have to worry about it. They're going to be out of town or they don't want to get, uh, you know, have to rush home from work and have to cast their ballot or whatever on Election Day itself. So this early voting opportunity that Democrats said we have to have, they implemented via law. And every time Republicans try to change it somehow, Democrats always sue, accuse them of disenfranchising people. That same argument she just spelled out would apply Right to the and that's the argument that applies to not voting early. If you don't want to vote early, then don't vote early. Then go vote on election day. Like at some point, people have to take responsibility for you know going and exercising the franchise on their own. For crying out loud, uh, that's a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to the podcast at the Pete Callender Show, and uh, see you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>